Good morning, everyone, again. <laughs> Second time on stage, I'm a popular guy this morning. <laughs> All right. Um, today's reading is from Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me and your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and command will hasten to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn brush, inst instead of the thorn brush will grow the pine tree, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ben. Good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jessica Zerker. I am here and have been serving the last two years. Um, I've been around a lot longer than that. <laughs> um, and good morning to everybody joining us online as well. May the grace, mercy, and peace of God be yours this day and all of your days. Amen. It feels like we've spent the better part of two years waiting. Waiting for good news, waiting to be satisfied with the direction of our lives, waiting for the COVID curve to improve. Over the summer, we saw a glimmer of hope. All the steps that we as a society had taken seemed to be working for the most part, and reopening became a thing. And it seemed like overnight, we found ourselves back in the thick of it, living our lives again. Now, granted, it wasn't exactly back to normal, but for me, it filled a longing in my soul that needed to be with people. 
it gave me a chance to push the fear back to the back burner and for a few hours experience the joy of connection with others. And then this fall, a new variant surfaced. Yay. Uh, strapping us all right back into this roller coaster again for the foreseeable f future. This seems to be taking a lot of brain space for many of us, but maybe COVID isn't the least of your worries right now. Maybe you or a loved one has received a concerning diagnosis. Maybe you're grieving a loss. Maybe your employment is precarious or you're worried about how you'll make ends meet. Maybe you've made some regrettable choices and maybe you're just barely holding it together. Maybe this season is a season of only hope because it's not yet a season of joy. All is not well. In the traditional lectionary for this week that we so wonderfully had in the call to worship, thank you, Neil, um, we hear the Magnificat, which is also known as Mary's song. And in the second half, Mary speaks of God's mercy extending to all of the generations of those who fear God. She proclaims God's dismantling of empire. She hears this, uh, hear this from the Gospel of Luke. I will go ahead and read it again, just because I think it bears reading twice. <laughs> he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is a powerful and beautiful description of God with us, setting all things right. But here we are, more than 2,000 years later, and the world is still ruled by empire, benefiting only those who are in power. Poverty, supply chain issues, gun violence, natural disasters, all things we've heard in the last couple weeks. All is not well. Where is this God that Mary speaks of? Where is this God who upends the status quo and writes a new narrative? Generations before the birth of Christ, God's people, through what was described as their own poor choices and disobedience, were held captive but in a distant land. Their temple and their promised land were destroyed with no restoration coming. For 70 years, the Israelites tried to make sense of their circumstances. The Isaiah passage read by Ben this morning, thank you, finds the Israelite, Israelites near, nearing the end of their Babylonian captivity. Many, if not most of the exiles, had actually been born in that place by this time. They have only heard about this promised land, about their temple, about their capital city of Jerusalem. But in this reading, the, imperative, the imperatives abound throughout chapter 55, giving a sense of urgency, but not an anxious urgency. It's more of an expectant and joyous urgency. These verses invite the listener to eat and to drink, to listen and to live, to experience an everlasting covenant 
and a steadfast love to be glorified, to find the Lord and to receive the Lord's mercy. All things that would have felt very unfamiliar or even impossible to captives in a foreign land. Yet the prophet is inviting the exiles out of captivity. This food and drink bring life, the source of which is the covenant made between God and those God invited to the feast. It sounds too good to be true, especially for those who've suffered so much. Some of you, some who heard Isaiah, may have been thrilled by the call that Yahweh still had for them, while others may have heard his words as foolish and as empty promises. But after being called to partake in the rich and free banquet of the Lord, then the people are instructed to listen and to pay attention because God is about to reestablish the covenant made so long ago with God's witness, King David. As it states in verse 4, he was ruler and commander of the peoples. That nearly 500-year-old promise made to David that the covenant of God would never end is now reinstituted for the exiles, for those who have nearly forgotten what God had promised, who needed a reminder of past promises out, out of which they must live. Once they remember the covenant and bring to, begin to recapture its power for them, they will summon the nations they don't know. And nations they, they don't know will come running because the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has made it so, because he has glorified them. Isaiah promises the exiles that their task is to be the light of the nations, a light so bright that nations don't even, they don't even know, along with nations who've never even heard of them, will come running to regain a community that they never knew they needed or desired. Isaiah promises that with the, with the renewal of God's covenant, the whole world will become new. New communities of nations and peoples will form around the reformed nation of Israel. One can only imagine how ridiculous all of the superior talk was to the, to the exiles in Babylon. Who was Isaiah kidding? If by some magic act they were able to return to their homeland, just how were they supposed to be able to create some sort of new community with people they don't even know and who don't know them? And here in verses 8 and 9 is Isaiah's answer to that question and to answer his answer to our question when we imagine that God really can't do anything new for us. For God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our human thoughts have a very limited, uh, have a very difficult time thinking largely enough to imagine our circumstances can change, yet alone know how the whole world can become new. But God can bid us, God can and bids us to higher thought than we can ever do by ourselves. We may not see or comprehend God's work in this world. So we must trust in God's faithfulness and love for us. And that is the gospel of Isaiah. That is the gospel, the good news of God. With this God, all things will be set right.
This recurring theme of paradise regained runs throughout the book of Isaiah, and those whose lives were turned upside down by the exile longed to return to their promised land. They longed for transformation. Um, they longed for their circumstances to change. And in earlier chapters in the book of Isaiah, we see symbols of God's transformation in this wilderness. Here in verse 13, we are reminded of the briars and the thorns from those early chapters. But because God is faithful to God's people, this place of desolation filled with inhospitable undergrowth will be changed. A once thorny, weed-filled wilderness will be replaced with the growth of fragrant trees. Those who suffered as they were led into captivity through hostile desert environment will return to a fruitful land and an everlasting covenant that will never be cut off. The transformation of the wilderness will become a reality. Then the trees can join the mountains and the hills in praise of God. We are also invited to come on this journey, to come to listen, to seek, and to celebrate. All the while, God is with us, wanting to give, to satisfy, and to love. We too can know and experience the faithfulness of God in the fullness of time, the, different, the difficult places and things that distract us from the work and movement of God, the situations that feel like a crushing load that keep us bent low. All of those things will be transformed. It may not turn out the way we expect, nor will the pain and the suffering we experience along the way go unnoticed. Everything might be going pear-shaped. <laughs> But God loved us and is faithful to us, and we will not be overcome. And as Julian of Norwich recounts in one of her revelations, all will be well. All will be well. All manner of things will be well. Thanks be to God.